Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Hebrews chapter 9. If you're not familiar with the Bible, just go ahead and Google Hebrews chapter 9 and it will, it will come up for you. Uh, I'm reading from the ESV. Uh, and, and so I just want to make sure that we set the stage before that this is a participatory uh, experience. The preaching moment is a participatory experience. And so when you've got Hebrews chapter 9, would you do me a favor and shout, I got it. All right. It reads this way. Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place. Having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna an Aaron staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Uh, Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties, but into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people." Uh, By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places uh, is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic of the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink in various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. But when Christ appeared as high priest the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. The very words of Scripture. Amen? When I was a kid, I wanted to be just like my dad. I wanted to be just like my dad, and uh, my father passed away when I was four years old. And, uh, and when you meet people who knew uh, your deceased loved one, if they were like a half-decent person, if your deceased loved one was like a half-decent person, what ends up happening is people begin to embellish uh, about their decentness, right? They're, they're no longer half-decent people. Uh, they're, they're like uh, uh, fairy tale figures, right? Uh, and, and so they embellish uh, about the details of their lives. And I remember when I was a kid, uh, I would... Uh, I would meet sometimes some of my father's high school teammates, and, uh, and they would say, oh, man, your dad, your dad, uh, man, he was about, what, six foot six, and, uh, and, and man, he, he could jump out of the gym, and he, he could run, and, and, and I, I, could, uh, I could just picture my mom giving them the side eye, right? And they'd be like, oh, well, I mean, he was like six foot four, right? Like, he was, he was a big dude. 
Uh, and, and, and then, uh, so I, you know, my father was six foot four, six foot six, and my uncle, he was an all-American football player. And, uh, and, and, and so they would say stuff like, man, uh, your, your uncle and your dad, they were like the same person, man. They, they, were, uh, they were athletic. They could jump out of the gym. They could run. They could catch. They could throw. Uh, and, and yet, uh, they were like the same, but your dad, he was taller. He, he was bi- a bigger version of, of your uncle, the all-American football player. Uh, and, and so you, time would go on, and I, I would just think to myself, like, man, people would tell stories that my dad, like, literally uh, uh, pushed cars out of ditches in the snow himself, by, like, by himself and stuff. Stories like these, right? So in my mind, my dad was like the perfect mix-up of Michael Jordan and Denzel Washington come together. And, and, uh, and so I just grew up with that picture in mind, and so I just knew, uh, because I wanted to be just like my dad, I, I wanted to play sports, and, and early on, uh, I, was, uh, I could tell that I had good hand-eye coordination, I had a, a strong arm for my size, and, uh, and I had some uh, general athletic abilities. And, and so I said to myself, man, y'all just wait. Soon as I hit this growth spurt, things gonna change. The things is going to be different because, man, you don't understand. My, my dad is like a mashup between Michael Jordan and Denzel Washington. Uh, and, and so I get into high school and I'm like, you know, five foot nine, something like that. Uh, and, and, and I make the varsity baseball team and, uh, and I, uh, I am playing on the junior varsity football team and, and, and I'm playing, uh, made the basketball team. And, and I thought to myself, you know, I don't need to work on guard skills, Nana. I don't really need to work on those things because uh, eventually I'm going to hit this growth spurt and I'm going to just be dunking on everybody, right? Um, And and, and I said to myself, you know what, man, I'm 15 years old. I can throw an 85-mile-an-hour fastball. I'm going to probably be throwing like 95 to 100 uh, by the time I'm like 20, 21, right? Uh, and so I, I said to myself, you know, I was middle of the pack in football, and, and I was just sort of like, man, I had a strong arm, but y- y'all just wait till I hit this growth spurt, and I'm like six foot three, and, and then all of a sudden, I'm going to be like an NFL prospect, right? Uh, and so I get to the end of my high school career, Mama Roper, and I was the same height that I am now, five foot 11. It never came. The growth spurt never happened. Uh, and, and, and the reality is that an 85-mile-an-hour fastball is good for a 15-year-old, but it's not going to make it into the major leagues at 25, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and then come to find out, I, after I looked at my own limitations, right, uh, I looked at my own limitations, I, I, I began to hear stories of my dad. Oh, your dad wasn't six foot four. He was six foot two. Your dad, like, he always lived in your uncle's shadow. Like, he wasn't, he, he, he was like, like, Steve, you're more athletic than your dad was. Right? And you're like, what? And, 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 and your dad, like, he, you know, like, he, he was like an average player. Like, he was decent, but he always lived in your uncle's shadow. And I realized that my dad had limitations. Because my dad had limitations, I had limitations, because I had limitations, I was never going to actually make it to be a professional athlete. Limitations. 
As we get ready to come to our passage, essentially the author of the book of Hebrews uh, is writing to uh, this group of followers of Jesus to explain to them uh, as they're thinking of going back to their old practice of Judaism that the old covenant promises that God made to Moses had limitations. Uh, The worship that they participated uh, uh, in the tabernacle and the worship that they were giving uh, God through their sacrifices, they they had limitations. Uh, They they didn't have full access to God because those old covenant promises had limitations. I want to preach from that subject. As uh, as we look at the Old Testament limitations for uh, people coming into the presence of God and the, the New Testament or the new covenant, new promises through Jesus that give us unlimited access to God, uh, I, I, I want to preach from the subject limitations. Limitations. Tell somebody next to you, you got to know your limitations. You got to, come on, y'all said you was with it. Got to know your limitations. Got to know your limitations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And now I pray, I know that your word, just, just reading it aloud has power. Some of us might not believe that, and and, and yet I know that to be true in my own life. And so, Father, would you help me? Would you help us? Would you illuminate your word so that we can see magnificent things that are in it? And, God, maybe somebody came today downtrodden, hurt, checking out things with God, just came on the arm of a friend. God, I pray that you would arrest all of our attention. And make much of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. I just got two points today. God's presence then and God's presence now. So God's presence then. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9 describes in detail the tabernacle of uh, of the Old Testament. So just by way of uh, of reminder for those of us, and I won't spend a whole lot of time uh, in detail with this because it doesn't really make sense in terms of our own modern culture, but in that particular culture, uh, the people would worship God through the tabernacle. And in essence, what they realized after the people of Israel had been enslaved for 450 years and God sends the people of Israel out of bondage and slavery and establishes a covenant or a relationship with the people of Israel that there there needed to be a mediator between God uh, and people because God uh, is completely holy. He is entirely set apart. He is uh, the source of power itself right? Uh, And so uh, literally the presence of God, to to take in the presence of God, uh, we've been saying is literally to take in the source of everything that you have ever said, that's beautiful. Uh, To to take in the presence of God uh, in one moment in time would be to take in the source of everything that has ever taken your breath away. And so in essence, God establishes the priesthood in the Old Testament in order uh, to mediate his presence between God uh, and humanity, but only the priests could actually participate, right? And so in the tabernacle that they would participate in uh, for the worship of God, uh, there was a, a courtyard, and then around the courtyard there was a fence, and inside, uh, inside this tent would be what was called the holy place. 
Uh, and that was where the bread of presence and, uh, and the lampstand was. And then inside the holy place, uh, inside of that, there was a veil, and then there was the holy of holies, uh, where the presence of God resided. And so uh, here's what exists inside uh, the tabernacle. It says in verse 2, will you look at it with me? For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. Uh, it is called the holy place. Uh, and so we, we talked about this the last few weeks, uh, and we talked about the, the priesthood and how the priests established this mediation between God uh, and, and humanity. Uh, and, and so the priests would go into the tabernacle, and they would make sacrifices to God, uh, but, but access to God was still limited. Uh, they, they, couldn't just, they couldn't just roll up into the tabernacle, right? They, they, they couldn't just walk into the tabernacle. Only, only the priests could go into the tabernacle. And, uh, and, and regular everyday people, they couldn't just roll up on the courtyard. And uh, regular everyday people, they couldn't just go into the holy place. Only the high priest uh, and the priest could go into the holy place. And the high priest could only go into the holy of holies yet but once a year. And so in, uh, in the holy place is this, uh, this lampstand, right? And the priest would have to make sure that it stayed lit uh, throughout the night. So every day they were paying attention to see if the lampstand went out. Did the lampstand go out? And they would have to relight uh, the lampstand. And then uh, there were these uh, pieces of bread, uh, 12 pieces of bread that the priest would have to consume. It's called the bread of the presence. Uh, the priest would have to consume, uh, and then they would have to bake fresh bread, and then they would have to put that 12 loaves of bread back into the holy place. So uh, the priest would perform their priestly duties in the courtyard, in the holy place, uh, verse 6 tells us, but once a year, the high priest would go into the holy of holies. Verse 7 says, but into the second only the high priest goes, and but once a year, and not without taking blood. So verse 4 tells us uh, that in the holy place, there was uh, this golden altar of incense, and, uh, and it had the Ark of the Covenant. There's a few things that are in uh, the Holy of Holies, in the, the, the inner, uh, inner space where the presence of God resided, but the Ark of the Covenant is the most important thing. And in this Ark of the Covenant, hold on there with me, I promise I'm coming to your neighborhood, uh, there would be certain things that uh, would represent the history that God had with his people, Right? Uh, and so they would have the, the tablets of the Ten Commandments in there, and they would have Aaron's staff uh, in there. And, and yet what's important about the Holy of Holies uh, is not just what's in the treasure box, but, uh, but what the treasure box represented. Uh, so in, in essence, uh, the Ark of the Covenant had on it a mercy seat. Uh, and above the mercy seat, there was a representative of these cherubim and seraphim, which are angels who stand in the presence of God. And in essence, the Ark of the Covenant is representative of the presence of God, but it's not the actual presence of God. It's representative of, of the presence of God. Some, uh, the, the presence of God resides there in a way. Uh, and yet it is a picture of the actual throne room of God. So here's what the actual throne room of God looks like. In Isaiah chapter 6, uh, the prophet Isaiah sees a vision of the throne room of God, and he sees these angels, these angelic beings, 
flying around the presence of God, and they have six wings each. One is covering their face, the other covering their feet, uh, and the others they fly, right? And they're covering their face in the presence of God, and they're crying out nonstop, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Uh, and, 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 and their smoke fills the, uh, the, the throne room. And uh, just at the voice of the angels, like the, the pillars of the throne room begin to shake. And Isaiah is like, y'all got to get me up out of here, out of here quick. He says, woe is me for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. Isaiah wants to disappear when he comes into the presence of God in a vision. The inner, inner part of the tabernacle was representative of the throne room of God. But it wasn't the actual throne room. And once a year, the great high priest or the high priest would go past the veil, enter into the tabernacle, and with fear and trepidation, he must have thought to himself, I hope I've done all the things right. I hope I have been good enough that nothing happens to me when I come into the presence of God. Everyday people like you and me, we didn't have access to the presence of God. The priests had to perform all of that for us. And even when they went in to the actual throne room of God, they went in with trepidation and fear because they very well could fall down dead. And yet God still wants a relationship with his people after he sets them free. He tells them, this is how I operate. This is what needs to happen in order for you to interact with a holy and a perfect God. I, I love you, but there's a separation between you and I. Uh, and here are all the details of all the things that need to happen in order for that to take place. That was how the presence of God, uh, that was how the presence of God operated then. Uh, you said, see, it had, uh, it had limitations. Uh, the, the, the old access from the old covenant had, uh, it had, it had limitations. But what about God's presence now? Look with me at verse 8. It says, By this the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic, verse 9, of the present age. So the phrase, uh, as long as the first section is still standing, is speaking to the validity of the old covenant, the old promise that God made to Moses and the people of Israel. As long as the old covenant is still valid, access is still limited. That's, in essence, what it's saying. But the implication in the mention of the phrase, this present age or the present age, is that there is going to be a time when access to God is going to be fully available. That's uh, that's why Hebrews 4.16 tells us that uh, there is an age, there is a time period where uh, you and I, on the other side of Jesus coming to live the perfect life that we couldn't live, die in our place and for our sins. Now, on the other side of that, there is a, an age where we can rush to the throne of grace with boldness. 
That, 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 that phrase, throne of grace, is equivalent in, in the Hebrew to the phrase mercy seat in, uh, in Hebrew. Uh, that, that is the idea of, of, of where the presence of God resided in the Holy of Holies, in the Ark of the Covenant, in the mercy seat. You and I, through Jesus, can rush to the throne of grace with boldness. There may be trepidation, or th- there's no longer trepidation, no longer, uh, no longer trembling there. There's a reverence, but there's an excitement. There's a joy. There's a pleasure. But how is all that possible? How how is it possible to go from uh, the high priest can only go in once a year, and even then uh, he's fearful that he might die uh, and have that that limited access, and and how does it go all the way to us being able to rush to the throne uh, of grace with boldness? Look with me at verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have, uh, that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not uh, of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Let, let me bless you real quick. Let me bless you. The 12 loaves in the holy place pointed to Jesus. Uh, You you see the 12 loaves that had to be uh, repeatedly eaten and and baked over again and and, and replaced, uh, they pointed to Jesus. The the lampstand that existed uh, in the holy place that the priests had to ensure uh, had to stay lit throughout the night and they had to do it over and over again, it, it points to Jesus because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of me uh, shall never go hungry again. He, he said, I am the light of the world, right? It, it all points to Jesus. It points to Jesus because Jesus is the one who gives us access, full access to the throne of God. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the door for the sheep. I, I am the good shepherd. I, I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. If you come through me, you get full access. It's, it's, it's because Jesus is all of those things that I just described, and God gives us this gift of simply trusting in what he has provided in the person and work of Jesus. It's, it's because Jesus lived the life that you and I couldn't live. It's, it's because Jesus died in our place and for our sins. It's, it's because Jesus rose in victory over Satan's sin and death that the, we then trust in the grace that God provided in the person and work of Jesus. And what happens in response? We get united to him. Now, this is what happens. Ephesians 2 and 6, the Apostle Paul, and the words will come up on the screen. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, and God raises, uh, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So, what happens is we, we get united to Jesus, and some of us look at that, and it, it kind of blows your mind, and at the same time, we don't really understand all of the implications of what, what that means, right? 
uh, and, and yet it is communicating to us something that has happened to us, that we have been united to Jesus, and now we are clothed with his righteousness. We are clothed with his belovedness. We are clothed with, uh, with all of his perfection, and now we exist spiritually in the presence of God. Not because of who we were, but because of who we were with. When I was, uh, when I was in high school, one of my, uh, my teammates, his dad was the first base coach for the Colorado Rockies one year, uh, and then he was the first base coach for the Boston Red Sox the, the year uh, before they broke the curse, right? I think that's 2003, 2004. And, uh, and so we... we uh, would get invited once a year to go and uh, hang out with his dad uh, for a particular series, right? Uh, and so he'd say, y'all come up here uh, and you come hang with me. Uh, and so one particular series, we went up to the Detroit Tiger Stadium. And so we went uh, and hung out with him. Uh, and he said, so when, when y'all come uh, when y'all come down to the stadium, don't, uh, don't ride by yourselves, ride, ride, uh, ride with me. And so he, he, he would say, he would come get us and, and he'd take us in and, uh, and we'd go back security and they see who it was and they, uh, and they say, oh, you guys are good. And we would park in the player parking, uh, not because of who we were, but because of who we were with. Uh, and then we, we would walk through the security gate, and then we would go into, uh, into the dugout, and, and they would see, oh, that's Dallas Williams. We, we need to let him and those who are with him in. And we'd walk around the, uh, the locker room, and, 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 and we got to go in there, not because of who we were, but because of who we were with. We, we, we'd go down to the batting cages, and I'd be sitting there uh, talking to Nomar Garcia Parra right before he retired, and, uh, and, and Big Poppy and Manny Ramirez, and I saw, had a conversation with Pedro Martinez before he retired, and, and, and we were able to do that not because of who we were, but because of who we were with. Then when the game got ready to start, we'd go out onto the field and we'd start playing catch. We, we, we brought our gloves. we start playing catch on the field before the game, not because of who we were, but because of who we were with. And, uh, and then when the game got over and we got into our special seats and we got ready to go, we went through a security gate and got into the player parking and rolled out uh, uh, to our destination before anybody else, not because of who we were, but because of who we were with. Yeah. Hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you place your faith in Jesus, full access to God is given to you, not on the basis of anything that you accomplished or anything that you achieved or anything that you, you performed, but on the basis of who you were with. Some of y'all ain't say amen. Full access to God. So when we talk about the supremacy of Jesus, and I, I know that you saw the, uh, the white Jesus growing up with, with the blue eyes and the, and the blonde hair, that ain't Jesus. When we talk about the supremacy of Jesus, like, like Jesus has accomplished all the things that the Old Testament could not accomplish in himself and given us full access to God. 
And I, here, here's a, I, I understand. I, I think one of the reasons why, uh, one, of the, one of the reasons why uh, this doesn't move us is because we exist in this space uh, where some of the promises of God are already and some of the promises of God are not yet. We, 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 live, in, we live in this in-between phase where, uh, where, where already, because Jesus has come uh, and, and done all the things that he's done, that, that already uh, in Christ he is working all things together for the good of those who love him and who are the called according to his purpose. We, uh, we live uh, already in the space where uh, God is uh, providing for us and already we have access to pray to God and, and already he works on our behalf and, uh, and already he's shaping and molding us into the image of his son and, uh, and already he's doing all these things on our behalf, all Already we are the beloved children of God. Already we have full access to God and can rest assured that God hears our prayers, but there's some not yet promises. There's some not yet stuff. He hasn't yet wiped away every tear from our eyes. He, he hasn't established God's presence here on the earth. He uh, he. He, he hasn't done away with difficulty. He, he hasn't done away with sickness. He, uh, he hasn't done away uh, with all of the things that give us anxiety and depression. There are some things that are not yet. And so we, we live in the middle of this space of the already and the not yet. And one of the reasons why I think that, that we, we, we can't, still can't celebrate or we still aren't moved by uh, what is to come, the, the not yet promises of God that, that allow us to hold on in the midst of what we're going through here on earth and, uh, and what keeps us from being able to open up our mouths and lift our hands and praise God and tell people uh, about Jesus uh, is that we, we have, I think we have the wrong perspective of heaven. Watch this. Some of you think that heaven is some immaterial place where you're going to float on clouds and you're going to play a harp and you're going to sing worship songs all day. And your true fear is out of reverence, you won't say, even though you won't say out loud, but you think it in your heart. Aren't we going to get bored after a while? I just really think we're going to get bored after a while in heaven. Uh, we just, we're going to sing, we're going to start out strong, right? You start out strong, you singing Chris Tomlin, uh, and then you got some CCM in there. You start out strong and you got, uh, you, you, you got Fred Hammond in the mix there, and you like, man, we're going. We're we going to keep singing these worship songs. We're going to keep floating on these clouds. I'm about to figure out a way. To, to, to hit this harp like it's a bass, uh, Donovan. I'm, I'm going to hit this harp like it's a bass. After a while, I'm going to be up here for eternity, so I figure I can figure that out, right? Uh, and, and, and then uh, after a while, you, you start to sing some Maverick City, and, uh, and, and, and then you, you, you come back and sing some Israel Houghton, and, uh, and, 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 and then you just do it over and over and over again. That's what some of you think is heaven. And yet, that's not what God promises in Scripture. What God promises in Scripture is that the presence that we experience in the Garden of Eden, the presence of God, 
is going to come to earth. And there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And this time, the God who, with fear and trepidation, the priests would go into the Holy of Holies, this time, 1 John says, we will see him as he is. And, 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 and you think to yourself, man, we, we, we're going to keep singing worship songs. We're going we're gonna to be in the presence of God. But here, here's what I want you to see. Because heaven is not an immaterial place in the new heavens and the new earth, and the presence of God is going to reside with humanity, and we're going to see him as he is. Like, we can take in now the presence of God. We're going to be eating a meal. Something about that meal. You're going to say, this is incredible. And then what's going to happen in your heart is you're going to say the source of this incredible meal, he's right there. And then you're going to take in the presence of God and it's going to cause you, it's going to cause you to worship. When, uh, when you were moved by Miles Davis's music and, uh, and we're all sitting around just listening to jazz uh, and, and you think to yourself, man, uh, you know what? Uh, man, God is the source of Miles Davis's creativity. Uh, and then you're going to go be able to walk outside and take in the presence of the source of Miles, Miles Davis' creativity. Y'all going to be sitting around jamming to Al Green. I know that's what I did when I was growing up, uh, and Prince and all of that. And, and, and you're going to think to yourself, oh, man, this is some incredible music. And, uh, and then you're going to be able to see the source uh, of the very thing that takes your breath away. You're going to be able to have a conversation without having to project what you think people, what you want people to think of you. And you're going to know that the only way that you're able to do that is because God has done away with that. And you'll turn. And his presence will be right there. No more anxiety. No more depression. Wipe away every tear from your eyes. Poverty and pain will be no more. We'll create and cultivate and remind ourselves that the source of the things that we're creating and cultivating, his presence resides with man. And there will be new things and new aspects, and new creative ideas, and new things that happen in your life. And they will happen inexhaustibly. Because of your desire that you have, and we're always trying to find that we, we, we've got desire for this and desire for that, we have an inexhaustible desire. Guess what your inexhaustible desire was made for? The inexhaustible nature of God. Yeah. That's heaven. My friend Jeremy, he tells a story as we get ready to close. Uh, he tells a story of uh, J. Cole in his first album. Evidently, he tells a story um, my, my friend Jeremy was telling this story as it pertained to 
this particular passage. And, uh, and evidently, J. Cole, when he first, uh, for, for, uh, for those who are, aren't um, living uh, their heads in a hole, uh, J. Cole was a rapper. And, and J. Cole, on his first album, he, uh, he was waiting to get signed. He hadn't been signed yet. And uh, he, was, he was trying to put out music. He was trying to figure out uh, uh, being able to uh, do his thing and, and trying to figure out what, what he was going to do with his life. He, he just had, uh, had to wait to get signed. Uh, and so he's waiting to get signed. He's waiting to get signed. And then all of a sudden, he's driving uh, down the street one day, and he gets a text message that says that uh, Jay-Z had signed him. And so here's the thought that goes through his mind. I'm going to have unlimited resources. I'm going to have a platform. I'm going to have a network that's like unending with some of the most influential people in the music industry. And he begins to celebrate with his friends. And then all of a sudden he hears, he's driving down the street, he hears the sirens in the background. He was getting pulled over. And the police officer came uh, to the door and, uh, and J. Cole had an expired driver's license. And he has to spend a night in jail. But he had gotten that text. And he says in response to his night in jail that it was the easiest night in jail anybody could ever experience. Why? Because he had gotten that text. I can spend a night in jail. It's going to be some difficult stuff that happens in your life. There, there, there's, uh, J. Cole said, I, I, I could sleep uh, on, on that hard bed for one night. I, 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 could, I could lay on that uh, empty pillow for one night. I can eat jail food for one night because I know what's coming in the morning. Full access to God has been granted to us through the person and work of Jesus, and we live in this space of already and not yet anticipating what is not yet. I don't know your story. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what's happening uh, in your life. And yet, the beauty of the message of Jesus is, is there can be some not yet promises fulfilled that you were created to experience. Anybody know you can make it through jail for a night? And God's word to you and me is keep going. You can make it. There's some stuff on the other side of this thing that will blow your mind. Because we now have full access living in the midst of already and not yet. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. God, so often we have this microscopic view of what's happening in our lives. And we miss the scope of all the good things that you have promised. And we live in this space of, well, God didn't say yes to my prayer about that. And God, God didn't, it seemed like he was silent about that. And God, God where, where was God when I was going through that? And yet we don't see the whole board. 
And so I pray, Father, that we would be people who see the whole board, uh, that, that, that we would be people uh, that would trust you, that you are working those things out, and that on the other side of Jesus' return, uh, we ain't going to be floating on clouds singing hymns, but we will worship, and it'll blow our minds. We thank you for Jesus, God. We pray that you give us enduring, persevering power through your spirit. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.